Hello and welcome to Let's Get Psyched, a program that explores the controversial and challenging issues from a psychological and psychiatric perspective, as well as the implications for clinical practice. I'm your host, psychologist Dr. Aaron Parks of the University of California Riverside's Counseling and Psychological Services. I'm joined by my co-host, second year child and adolescent psychiatry fellow, Dr. Tosha Yamaguchi. Hi, Tosha. Hi, Dr. Parks. Third year psychiatry resident at UCR, Dr. Edgar Ortega. Hi, Edgar. Hey, Dr. Parks. And join us today, Dr. Alan Atkins. He's a second year psychiatry resident. He worked with children in the foster system before attending medical school at Brown University, and he currently leads a research team investigating wilderness therapy as an alternative to mass incarceration. Hi, Alan. Hey, Dr. Parks. The views expressed on Let's Get Psyched are those of the speaker. They do not represent the University of California at Riverside, UCR's School of Medicine, or UCR in general. Well, on today's show, we're gonna talk about lying and liars and <laughs> being able to detect lying. <laughs> Why? I no, I'm the, I was the one that suggested this show. So I you know, I and, and you were dragged you're all dragged kicking and screaming into this thing. No, I think I think you're okay. <laughs> yeah, with what this, what but, was the recent Doctor Parks if you wanted to talk well, about? Well I mean lying. I I feel like there's a lot of lying going on. It just in, in society and um it, ev, ev, I, everyone does it, I'll admit do it occasionally r- rarely maybe once or twice a year <laughs> just, is this topic politically timed yes it could be i feel like there's a lot of lying now um what are the reasons what let's talk a little bit about the research about it perhaps um you know i mean and you know yes there's a little bit of a current event you know kind of thing to it i mean if if you have been following the news the uh chief of staff at the department of homeland security Miles Taylor, uh, he was encouraged to hide the actual reason for why um, undocumented, uh, the children of undocumented uh, documented immigrants when they're trying to cross the border were put into cages. So the official thing was, no, this is, a, this is, this is nothing to do with trying to be a policy that discourages people from coming over the border. Well, it was, and that, that's what he, he had said. He said that it was, and they that, and Trump was constantly trying to say, "Let's use this. This, this will discourage people from coming over and immigrating." And so I, that kind of got me thinking that you know that about lying and lying in groups. And I did find the research showed that when you're a member of a group, you actually lie more frequently. And that the, the well, there's different huh. varying reasons to that, but part of it is that you know the the responsibility is dispersed it's spread out like you're all doing it so you it, it doesn't rest completely on you and your shoulders and it, it's not going to come back to just you it's going to back mm-hmm. again the consequences are spread out that the makes a lot of sense out. and you're you're responsible you have a loyalty there's kind of a, a double there's another morality thing that you have to figure with not just do i want to be a liar but do i want to be disloyal to my group even if I myself maybe don't mm-hmm. believe in the thing I'm lying for. That's an interesting, were you, did you or, find examples? Or social pressure too, not even just your own ethical quandary of whether you wanna be disloyal, but how will it be perceived by other people? Right. And I think society in general kinda encourages you and rewards deception. Uh, whether if it is because of what we're talking about immigration and they have like, you know, maybe them, you know, I guess the, the the end justify the means, but also just in general in a simple 
way. And I think one of the examples I when I was reading is to like are a little more simple to try to digest. And it's something about like let's say you're going to work before COVID, they have to go to a place and you are late, right? And you're late because you overslept. But sometimes it's easier for you to say that, um, oh, I'm late because there was a lot of traffic. So you're lying about it because the consequences of saying that, okay, I understand that there's traffic everywhere here in South California versus, oh, I just overslept, you know? So in that case, your society still encourages you and rewards that because you know that you're going to get maybe some sort of less pushback if you say that little white lie versus that what in reality happened, which in this case, oversleeping, I mean, can happen also to anybody. And it's also, I don't think it's harmful, you know, unless you keep doing it every day, but it's easier to do the other way. That's an interesting think, locus of control thing. Like you're, yeah. it's a, we accept but society we accept is rewarding it, it. Yeah. And we accept it. So there was, I saw that on a few different compiled lists of the most frequent lies and I didn't take down the the reference for any of them because none of them seemed credible enough to quote they were all like kind of websites that didn't feel ultra credible but that was on a bunch of them as one of the most common lies and and it's surely mm-hmm. it, it's a very common lie and and right. it's interesting that we as a society like Edgar said permit one and not the other um, and then and then it also falls under the category of a bold-faced lie where you often do that lie knowing that no one's going to believe you and yet people are still doing it and that's still considered lying even when someone let's say was also on the same freeway that morning and knows that that's not true is still more acceptable to to our ideas of professionalism than just saying that you overslept right yeah you don't want to unprofessional right i guess yeah now overall going on with the research overall um 80% 80% of all lies are self-referential. They, they have to do with you benefiting somewhat. Now, the benefits are primarily psychological. You know, they're, they're, they have to do with self-presentation, regulating your emotions. Because basically when you lie and make it easier on yourself, you're regulating your emotions. It's not from a, usually, it's not for material gain, you know, mm-hmm. uh, these actual hard, hard and fast cons, uh, things that you could gain. Um, but I just want to ask you, like, what is your thoughts about the rate that people lie? Because they actually huh. found a difference between people in the community and college students. Because oh. this is this a college radio? Mm. <laughs> this is a college what radio kind of station. Rates? Yeah, what? Like, how many per day or how many per interaction? Do you have any? Uh-huh. I, I, I speculate. I had an older uh, study by the University of Virginia. It's like in the late nineties. Uh, they just did like a survey on one hundred and forty-seven people, ages eighteen to seventy-one. Keep it like that. They write it down. You know, if you. Hit, Lie something for a week, and I think the rate what they found to be was like once or twice a day. Um, and they go into more statistics, maybe about like how maybe men and women lie also. Maybe if you have a social encounter that lasts at least 10 or more minutes, uh, a fifth of that, you know, what is it that 20% of that is going to be some sort of deceiving material or false statements and things like that. And it can get That's up to crazy. 30%, I believe, in a one-on-one interaction. I saw 50% once. I, I don't remember where it was I saw that, but I certainly remembered it. I have no I idea think, if it was credible. I think we're, we're, stu- we're looking at the same research, uh, Edgar. Oh, uh, yeah, Alan. Uh, yeah, that, that, yeah, it's about one a day, and, and college students about twice a day. Or, yeah, one out of five interactions are college students. It's one out of every three interactions you're telling a lie. That, did that, sound, that seem high to you? I, it depends what type of lies, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it depends what you consider a lie. I mean, some of the the some of the uh, sites we were looking at um, mentioned things like 
uh, saying I'm doing fine when someone asks you how you're doing is a lie or mm. uh, I love this gift or things that are kind of, uh, you know, potential a, a misconstrual of opinion, but not necessarily a factual lie. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, a tr a true, absolutely. And it also depends on the kind of relationship that you have with them, mm -hmm. right? Like, so they found with people that you are closer to, you'll tend to lie less. That makes sense, right? Right. And and the then, other, uh, right. The other number I found interesting is that th these people who was, at least in this survey, they about three quarters, 75% of that, they will say that they will do it again. And I, I, I'm thinking just because it's something maybe, you know, without the consequences as lying because you're gonna get arrested versus you saying someone like, hey, you look good today, or I'm fine today when somebody asked me what Alan was saying. So I I'm not sure you what know, else. That's weird because like both of the most recent points you guys made, I, I looked at a study that said the opposite. Um, I was looking at a study out of the University of Portsmouth that was published in 2019 and it found that um, most of the lies that people are telling are told by a few number of people. So there are mm -hmm. like very few liars who just lie prolifically and they're very good at it and they're confident that they're good at it. Um, and another thing that it said was that um, it kind of talked about like the, the characteristic the characteristics of how prolific liars are so good at lying and one of the things they said was they uh, are good with words they kind of hide lies into truths like hide lies among truths um, and then it, that makes it hard for people to kind of piece out what is the lie and what is the truth what makes you think that that is in conflict with the study that Edgar and Dr. Parks because Dr. Parks was saying that, um, I'm sorry, now I've forgotten. What you tend to lie. They were saying that, they were saying that 30, one third or 30% of what people are saying in or, or their interactions contain lies. And you're oh, saying no, not that. most of the lies are from no, the that, 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 people. That, yeah. People I tended thought, to lie. I think probably both are true. People tended to lie less frequently to the people that they felt felt closer to. Oh, oh for sure. my thing mm -hmm. said that they actually lie. The prolific liars actually lie most to the people that they're closest to. That sounds like I think gaslighting. That, and the people that I they think that was a that was a study like, about uh, sociopaths. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds like gaslighting. That sounds like uh, folks trying to maintain control in relationships, or I would argue people suffering from addiction that are lying to themselves, and by virtue mm -hmm. of that, also lying to others. So you know, every day when you're questioned about your alcoholism, you. It, I guess it could be construed as lying, but you, you yeah, you lie, I you mean, minimize your drinking. The you... study wasn't specifically looking at sociopaths. It was looking at, like, people telling lies, and this hmm. is just what it found. It wasn't specifically, like, studying people who had a, who had been identified as sociopaths. Was the so methodology you're... that they self-identified their lying? Like, they had a lie journal? Um, or not sure? I don't remember. That would be an interesting yeah, this is based on know, lie right? journal stuff. Yeah, no, that's an interesting conflict because um, so the, the, they found the reverse that you lie more to the people that you really feel close to and you lie less with people that are strangers and people that you don't feel close to. Uh -huh. I mean, I think it, it's okay. really hard. What, what do you know you're lying? Do you like so, for instance, I when people ask me how I'm doing every day, 
I actually pretty much say certain things that I've like just heard people say and they sounded cool to me. Like the, one of the guys <laughs> at my hospital, he, when, when, when I ask him how he's doing, he says, real good, real good. And I, th- I thought that sounded cool. I started saying that, real good, real good. I don't actually think at all about how I'm feeling when someone asks me how I'm doing. It's a hallway. I don't have time to right. talk to them. Right. I don't consider right. myself yeah. a liar. So I don't, I that's not good. a lie. Okay. I don't think that's yeah, a lie. A I don't point. really go into details either about if people say, how are you doing? If I'm right. really feeling terrible, I don't say, and that you know was what? One of the reasons. I'm really feeling terrible. Let's start with that for today. And then let's get <laughs> this big, long yeah. conversations about how I feel terrible. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's a lie. It just, I, I, it's just I a agree. decision. I think people know that. The other thing, the thing that Edgar said was that people tend to lie less once they lie. I found a study saying that... Uh, what do you mean lie less once they lie? Edgar, did no, you say that? No, they lie more. No. Oh, uh, I, okay. My study said the same thing then. What does that no, mean, right, lie more it's once easier. they lie? It's so, easier to do it the more you use it, basically. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. This article that I looked at, published by Dr. Garrett um, in 2016 in Nature Neuroscience, they actually found like a neurological mechanism that would support a slippery slope theory of lying. Oh, um, interesting. What they found, they were they did an uh, fMRI study uh, looking at the amygdala, and then the amygdala would go off when someone tells a lie, and the sensitivity of the amygdala going off or sending, you know, having activity would decrease the more someone would lie. That's really nice to hear. I think I never, I never knew that this was Wait, called the nice slippery slope. Yeah, well, it's nice to hear. I think it's nice to hear. I'm, I'm one of those people that tries, if I can consciously identify that I'm about to lie, to never lie, even if at times when it, I have to think a lot about how to say something that's not a lie. When, when, a, when, a, when a white lie would be much easier, right? So, like, let's say if I'm in the dating world, like, if it, even if it's just been one phone call, I'm not interested. I will try to figure out a way to truthfully end the thing instead of, you know, making up a fake social commitment or whatever. And it's nice to know that there's a reason that we're doing. I mean, I think myself and a lot of other human beings feel mm-hmm. that if you lie, even if you lie about things that don't matter, it somehow is gonna be bad. And that I think corroborates that. That like, I think if I you see what you're saying, yeah. if you make a habit of lying in some situations, it's gonna spill. If if it becomes a crutch in some situations, it's gonna be easy to use in others. You're gonna get better at it. You're gonna be more comfortable with it. The other thing, oh, sorry, go for it, Dr. Parks. No, I just want to say, if you're just joining us, you're listening to KUCR and you're listening to the show, Let's Get Psyched, and we're talking about lies and the liars that tell lies. Uh, go ahead, Dr. Atkins. So, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what you said was actually identified. You, when I mentioned that I like to just say real good because it sounds cool when I'm asked how I'm doing, and you said you just want to go on with your day, that was actually listed as one of the main reasons that people lie was to go on with their day, which to me brought into question all of the things they're categorizing as lies. Because a lot of the things that are lies that you tell to go on with your day, I don't really think of as lies. I think of them as like a social agreement that no one's actually going to pour out the details of how they're doing. And they had a few other examples like that of like, um, what do you think of this in a meeting? And you say it's great. And it's understood that you don't necessarily think it's great, but you don't have any objections that are major enough to derail the whole meeting for it, right? Yeah, I would I would agree with this, that there's more meaningful lies than less meaningful lies. And I, I would absolutely judge myself on, I don't want to say super meaningful lies. I don't want to lie about things that are super meaningful, but I, 
you know, I have, I, I can let things go that are not that meaningful. But I, I, I will say this. I'll share, share this honestly, as you know, you're sharing honestly, Alan. That when, when I, right after college, I had this friend that said that kind of challenged me and said like, like, cause I, I kind of got a little bit caught in saying a dopey white lie, and then so she said, you know, you wanna, um, you know, just you wanna always be honest about everything because it's a self acceptance thing. And it's like, and your relationships are going to be a lot better with it. And I was like, ooh. And so I, since that time, I have tried to kind of remind myself of that. Like, okay, so there's something about, like, what am I not accepting about myself? And yeah. What's so bad about I, I it? And then. Good, oh, sorry. Go for it. No, 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 no. Yeah. Share. I have a, I have a good one for that. I, uh, I'm 5'9", and I wish I was taller. And I love hiking, and I love how my hiking boots look. And I used to wear my hiking boots a lot because they made me like an inch and a half taller. And at one and I, I at one point I was talking to it with a therapist, and um, it was like I, I came to this realization that like we want to have you know we want to have indirect self or we want to have direct self acceptance so we don't rely on indirect self acceptance. And I, I I realized like so I'm basically telling myself the story that if I'm not wearing these I'm inadequate and at, and at my normal height my average height I'm inadequate and I kind of realized I was gonna have to stop doing that if I was really gonna like myself as a as a five nine human being no these are good practices yeah if you know as far as like you know transparency and things but some but yeah you know it depends on the context I because think probably a, a the big... pressure that you were having from those thoughts of right you know the heights important or not in society and things like that and and some of the things that I found that might prevent at least I'm not sure what kind of lies, but I would think it's like the bigger lies that, you know, are really men and you really think about deceiving people, you know, false statements, things like that. It's the morality and self-regulation that you might have. I think, in fact, Duke, psychologist Ariely says that we're our own judges about our own honesty and that internal judge is what uh, differentiates like psychopaths versus non-psychopaths, right? Mm -hmm. So you... Base, maybe the, the context of the life that you are having, yeah, they might not be, you know, the, the words, but also has to do with your values, your moral and character and how your ability to self-regulate and make sure that maybe you're not all the time aware that you're saying these things that could be lies, but at the same time, it just might be to fit in somewhere mm -hmm. versus mm -hmm. doing something worse, like, a, you know, lying about a crime. You know, I don't know where I read this. I, I forgot to put my citation, so sorry about that. But I was reading about another uh, neurology study um, that showed that the prefrontal cortex is activated when someone is considering their response to a question. And so people who were found to lie, um, they had more activity in the prefrontal cortex following being asked a question than people who were honest for people who were honest there was like mm. very little minimal prefrontal cortex activity and oh they just God. answered right away without considering hmm what how should i answer this doesn't that remind you of like job interviews residency interviews the, the idea of being asked a question and then your prefrontal cortex yes. goes off you're like oh how am i gonna handle this one so you the know? Pre, that's for the audience i just want to let people know i the prefrontal the significance of the prefrontal cortex activity is people are are saying that this might show self-control like a measure of self-control okay. Mm. okay that now, could make sense let, now and we should have a show on just lie detection 
you know, lie detection tests, lie det um, psychophysiological measures. But I do want to talk about can you distinguish or what are the aspects of people who are lying and people who are telling the truth. All right. So first of all, just overall, when you're um, when when people are probed or asked about their lies, they're perceived as more truthful. But actually that helps with lying. The reason why is because when you probe and ask questions, they can then gauge if you're if you are perceiving what they're saying as truthful or lying, and they can use those tips and those kind of uh, tells to modify their lies, to make them more compelling. And so that will actually make it more easy for them to get away with their lies. So that's just, remember that. So you're saying liars ask questions in the middle of their lies. No, 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 no. If, 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 if people that ask, like if you're trying to tell the difference between a liar and a, a truth teller, so the more probing ones, you're actually helping people lie better. And, and then your accuracy, even though the people probing, they're accurate, their perception of the accuracy of whether the person was lying or telling the truth went up after the questioning, it actually was worse because then the liars were able to pick up whether or not they were being believed or not. And they used those cues to modify their lie and then get away with it. Does that wow. make sense? Do you remember what cues was like? Oh, they just, just whether or not you believe certain stories and then they would add things and all that. Okay. The other thing is about telling, I, I feel like I'm a, this is a little factoid section of the show. There's <laughs> also, uh, you know, when, another way of telling lies, like you ask people about it and then you ask people later, like a couple weeks later, and you, you expect a de degradation in their memory. Like they'll remember less, they'll remember less details and things like that. But people who lie, it's stable. So they'll say one way of story, one way of thinking about the story. They've decided that's how they're going to lie about it. And you ask them two weeks later, the exact same story. Wow, that's Very similar. really counterintuitive. Yeah. No, the, the people that are actually calling out themselves or forgetting little details, those are the more truth tellers because that's accurately representing how memory works. Uh, it makes me feel better about mm. my existence because I feel like I often <laughs> am, am like, oh, wait, I can't remember if it – yeah. But, you yeah. know, we, we actually have a, a situation where we, I, psychiatrists, especially working in inpatient, have a situation pretty much on a, almost on a daily basis where we get to deal with this, where what happens is you're interviewing the patient and you kind of want a blank slate interview. So you don't necessarily, you're not going to say like, here's what I know from the chart review, now tell me your life. And we have the chart review and we have the urine drug screen. And we know those things before we start, or at least in my hospital, we know those things before we start talking to the patient. And so, and, and, and you don't, you also want to have a good relationship with the patient. So you start talking to the patient, they tell you that they have never in their life used drugs. And meanwhile, they're methamphetamine positive and THC positive and three other positives. And you're trying to kind of, like you said, you're trying to kind of allow them to modify their their story before they get too attached to it so that there's not that awkwardness and that embarrassment and so that it doesn't become like i'm the police and you're the mm. the yeah. criminal situation we can keep the 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 therapeutic relationship so it's interesting to kind of catch someone lying and try to help them get out of the lie before they realize you've realized you know wait way to put a clinical spin on this absolutely true yeah you you often you know, depending on the line of work, right? If you're uh, if if you're seeing a lot of folks that are have substance use problems, you're often confronted with a lot of lying, right? And so it's yeah. an art form. It really is, Alan. I agree with you that, that to kind of like 
allow them kind of an escape because yeah if you call them out too much or, or they let they can recognize that you know that they're lying there's a lot of shame there's a lot there could be anger there could be you know shutting up and then your therapy is tanked no true absolutely and yeah can i can i spin yeah. this a little Edgar. bit in terms of how do we detect lying right we all have that controversy which i'm not sure we want to bring up today about the polygraph you know which is very uh, not the most accurate thing that we can do for detecting lies, but either other things like training. Uh, I, I found that, you know, training law enforcement officers to, to kind of like look at the cues that might also say that somebody is um, lying or not. It's things like when people are being very vague about details, repeating questions before they can answer, speaking like in fragmented sentences. Uh, and then if you if you challenge the story, you kind of like you throw them off. And then uh, those things might play a thing or not. But I also found that even though there's studies recently are suggesting things in tracking speech, hesitations, changes in pitch, and, uh, just habits of nervousness, like grabbing your fingers, things like that, scratching your nose, whatever, blinking, fidgeting. And and I, I'm just trying to put that in kind of like... Are those, are those evidence-based... That, 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 that you're lying? Those or? are all things I would do in front of police because it's nerve-wracking right. being yeah, in front I, of police. I, I, I did not see <laughs> they, that. They, that. Might th- they might think that you're lying there. Well, the last part about like the tri- I think They might think that, but the research doesn't show that. I didn't. I don't think that. I, I, don't, I don't know. And I don't have the numbers to say. It's just like uh, in, in general, like recent, uh, recent studies have like looked into tracking the speech and changes in pitch and habits, but I'm not sure. I don't have a numbers to tell you, oh, yeah, this is actually the best way to do it. But people yeah, generally I mean, this is just what I did find. People aren't Go good ahead. at detecting lies. Right, like right. The, True. the numbers that I was seeing published by Dr. Bond et al. found that 53% or and some 54% are accurate at distinguishing a lie. And I was reading that police, you know, don't do much better than that. Um, right. And and the the tells that I was reading about were drawing a lot of emphasis on comparing the behavior uh, to their baseline, to someone's baseline. And if you're a cop, you don't know what that person's baseline is. So maybe they're fidgety in general, or maybe they're fidgety. It's like white coat syndrome. Like if you're a doctor and you're talking to someone in an emergency department, maybe they're fidgety because they don't like talking to doctors. Yeah. I agree with this. I, I feel yeah. like you are correct that that's as, um, because that is the research that I found too, is that yeah. we're usually not very good at detecting lies and truths. And actually when they looked at juries, when they um, had deliberation, joint group deliberation, their ability to tell truth and lie went down. That there's some that, that you know, actually that, you know, if you don't deliberate, um, there's some sort of unconscious processing where it's your, your, your ability to detect lies actually is, is higher than when if you start deliberating. Okay. I mean, if you look at the number 50, uh, 54% too, right? That's like 50% is used by chance, right? You can yeah. guess it either side by chance, 50% right. or so 54% is like not too far from that. And that's also in between the polygraph and, and the light detector. It's also very, the error rate is like 25 to 75%. So I guess we're not good at detecting lines. We could be 75%, that's pathetic. Well, that's worse than, yeah. <laughs> that is pretty wow. bad. Well that's said. worse, yeah. Now, I will yeah. say that liars, when they were asked questions, the latency, the, the time that it takes to respond to a question was longer than those that told the truth, okay? Um, and their responses were typically briefer, and they spoke at a somewhat higher pitch. So that, <laughs> I did find research about that. Okay. 
Okay, oh, I want to hear But that. again, baseline, baseline. How do We're you know the, the typical? Let's hear that again. Let's say that one more time for emphasis. So that uh, uh, criminals, for the criminals out there, um, that that the latency, res, the response latency to questions, okay, was longer than than truth tellers. Uh, they they tended to include you know more more silent pauses. They also um, uh, they, their their pitch when they responded was higher. That sounds silly. Hmm. I I'm like sure. that. Have you guys heard be. of um, fMRI lie detectors? I just Ooh, read about this. That's creepy. They're coming no. out with I've, fMRI lie detectors. So these are functional MRI but, scans. Wow. Are you going to put I them found, through the MRI that. while you are in trial yeah. or something? I'd like to that's put the, some politicians through some of those. Oh, that would be great. I, well, I saw that, but I felt like they, they, they said it's not definitive yet. They ha, It's not as accurate. There's but not I feel like, data. yeah. Right, but then eventually, don't you think that maybe? I think that's possible. Maybe in the near future, yeah. 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 Everyone gets clicked in in the witness stand. Everyone gets you know clicked into this portable fMRI like a machine. Portable fMRI, because right now right? it will be too much. That'd be pretty interesting. All right. Well, wow. that is going to be the last topic that we discussed here on. You've been listening to Let's Get Psyched. Um, we've been talking about lying and lie detection. Thank you to our co-host, Dr. Toshi Yamaguchi. Dr. Edgar Ortega, and our special co-host, Dr. Alan Atkins. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions for the show, you can write us at getpsychedonkucr at gmail.com. That's getpsychedonkucr at gmail.com. You can listen to past episodes of Let's Get Psyched on your favorite streaming platform. This episode was recorded in each of our respective homes and then mixed by our producer at KUCR, Elliot Fong. So special thanks go out to him. I've been your host, psychologist, Dr. Aaron Parks. Tune in next week for another edition of Let's Get Psyched.